Hey Jody, thanks for having me on the call today. My name is Afrida Lam, founder and CEO of Synod Therapeutics. We mostly work on target drug delivery for neurological diseases. And what that essentially means is creating a Trojan horse for drug delivery. So getting things into the brain at a safer dosing, really improving quality of life for patients. And the best example is um, with chemotherapy, a lot of patients see side effects due to the drugs and not necessarily the the tumors themselves. What we're hoping to do is target specific molecules, specific drugs to target sites and specifically the brain um, to help bring down the dosing, but really improve the efficacy of the drug itself. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, so um, as I mentioned to so many people that I'm talking to is like, I mean, this is a conversation and I want to basically bring a lot of attention to great startups and great small businesses that are doing um, amazing things. Um, and you guys are still working. You're still working throughout this entire situation with the coronavirus. So I want to start with, how did you decide to do this company? I mean, why, why this? Why now? Grew up in a very typical Asian family where medical school was the only option forward. And I kind of, um, you know, everything kind of transitioned into preparing for the classes that I took, the volunteer work that I did, the research that I did was all going to help me get into med school. So in high school, I started volunteering at the Duke Cancer Center. Um, and two weeks into it, I thought I was going to quit because it was so challenging to watch patients go through chemotherapy, really have their lives flipped upside down. And I kept going back week after week and ended up staying there seven years as a volunteer. But during that time, I really formed a bond with these patients. And to this day, that's what really keeps me going. Um, fast forward a couple of years, went to college and like every pre-med student, double majored in microbiology, biochemistry, but I wanted to do a research project, part of the CALS honors program that I was in. You needed to design a research project start to finish. And a lot of my classmates were doing it on campus and I wanted to do something different and kind of stand out. But I ended up wanting to do a study abroad. Um, my dad put three conditions and he basically said it had to be in one of the IITs, which are the lead schools of India. And I think secretly he was hoping I wouldn't get in and it dropped the idea. Uh, luckily, I got into the one in, in Kanpur. I ended up moving to India for six months with my mom because he said I couldn't go alone and work with the head of the chemistry department one-on-one uh, -on -one with him for six months continuously and this meant like Monday through, so I, didn't get a, I didn't get a single day off. And we were working um, hours for like 8 a.m. to like 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. And during that time, you know, the focus was how can we produce a technology that can help alleviate a, a lot of the side effects that patients see from chemotherapy. And the goal of the technology became targeting specific organs in the body. And there's a huge unmet need when you look at neurological diseases. We have Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, brain tumors, and there's really not enough medications out there that can treat these diseases. Specifically, like even with brain tumors, there's one drug that patients are given and, and it was discovered in the 80s. So, you know, it's, I think, uh, you know, it's about time that we help existing drugs or even newer drugs coming into the market be delivered in a more effective way. Now you are, uh, one of the things I remember talking to you in the past, you're not a doctor. I mean, I shouldn't say not a doctor, but um, when a lot of individuals are looking to your studies, uh, is it a product that actually helps the medicine go in? Is it the medicine itself? Can you just talk about that a little bit? Sure. So we, 
focus mo mostly on the drug delivery side of it. So we don't produce the therapeutics themselves. Our goal is to partner with pharma companies that either have things in their pipeline that typically don't get across the blood brain barrier, which is our body's defense mechanism to keep everything out. And when we're healthy, we want it to function exactly how it does. But whether a patient has any neurological disease kind of starting from a complicated one like brain tumors, all the way to a simpler one like ADHD, you know, no matter what, we need the medications to get to the target site. And our goal is to help pharma companies that have things in their pipeline that don't get across, um, kind of repackage it into our nanocapsule that can deliver it to the target site. So that analogy of Trojan horse becomes, you know, imperative where you're looking at the immune system can't recognize what's on the inside. And that's kind of what masks the drug and can bypasses that blood brain barrier to be delivered. The second aspect is things um, that typically go through FDA approval. And in phase two, where the toxicity side of it comes um, into play, where a lot of these drugs start failing because they're too toxic. The dose that's given is, is too high and patients can't absorb that amount, but also the side effects are too brutal. So how do we minimize those, you know, the dosing and the side effects, but really help those drugs get through the FDA approval? And that's kind of our, our goal of working with pharmas and doing partnerships. And who's out there that's doing it right now? So there's, you know, a lot of other competing technologies kind of in the nanocapsule space, viruses. Um, the issue is we kind of looked at the competitive landscape and saw what their limitations were and how can we improve on them. Anything that has a metal-based component eventually deposits in your kidneys and can lead to kidney failure. So you can't use you know, that option. You have nasal delivery, which is, uh, limits a lot of the size of what you could actually deliver. There's also the mucous membrane that inhibits a lot of medications from getting across. Poliovirus is being used at the Duke Brain Tumor Center. And even though you know, they've had a lot of traction, um, it, it's basically used as a last resort because they have to drill a hole in the skull and then inject it into the brain. So just, I mean, you can just imagine the amount of side effects that come when not just the surgery aspect, but patients are more prone to infections. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's, and the list goes on and on, but I think all of them come with issues with whether it's impacting the immune system or it's impacting um, the kidney function, liver function, and they're not long-term solutions, whereas our technology, it's a carbon-based nanoparticle that you know, our bodies naturally have carbon presence, so the immune system's not fighting back. We're also able to give five times the dose without seeing any adverse effects. What is your hope for this? I mean, so you are, um, you've worked really hard, um, you've partnered with individuals, like what is your absolute hope for this um, in whether it's six months, a year, um, two years, 10 years? I mean, what is that ultimate goal for what you are trying to create? So essentially we are creating a platform uh, for drug delivery. So we're not, you know, we're agnostic to which disease area we look at, but we want to become um, a tool that pharma companies can use and kind of branch out into, for example, Pfizer can use it for brain tumors and Eli Lilly can use it for Alzheimer's. But the goal is how do you repackage their drugs and make them safer. And, you know, the, the whole mission around Sinon really became focused on quality of life for patients because it's not enough just to keep a patient alive, but you need them to be healthy and, you know, have a functional lifestyle that they, they had previous to being diagnosed with whichever disease they have. 
So let's go uh, uh, in a little bit of a different direction. Um, obviously, right now we're dealing with coronavirus. Um, everyone is trying to figure out exactly where their companies will be um, in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, I mean, in a couple of years. Uh, what has this done to you? What, I mean, how has this affected what your company, um, how your company is actually running right now? So I think uh, the, the main part of it was we were in the middle of getting our term sheets ready and hoping to begin fundraising um, within the next two months. And that's kind of been put on hold now because we can't, you know, we can't do face-to-face -face meetings with potential investors. We can't go to networking events. We can't go to conferences. So a lot of that's been um, kind of pushing us back. But what we're doing is using this time to kind of pause, put hold, and like re-strategize of where we want the company to go and really create um, a value-driven mission statement of this is what we want to focus on. This is you know, what we're doing, but also the why aspect becomes so much more important because you're not just looking at, you know, creating a solution for drug delivery, but why hasn't this been done before? Why hasn't it been successful with other, you know, previous companies that have come in? So the goal is, you know, getting as much publicity as we can, whether it's through publications or um, attending, you know, virtual conferences, but we're continuing to make those connections via email and scheduling phone calls. And how's it, how, how has it been going so far? Uh, it's definitely been stressful and, and a very different way of operating. Um, and you know, one of the other issues that we've had is our current animal trials were being ran in India. And over there, it's like complete lockdown. So we can't continue those trials until everything opens up again. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, we've repositioned our focus of you know, getting those publications, which initially we didn't have as much time to focus on because we had our trials to worry about or we had you know, investor meetings to go to. And so I think, you know, it's been um, not all necessarily bad. It's just been um, having for, or we've had to revamp and kind of re-strategize how do we move forward and how do we continue moving forward, but really position ourselves to hit the ground running once um, the economy opens up again. So if, uh, in, whenever we're in a, in a, a downward economy, um, most people are losing their jobs. Most people are thinking about what's next for me as an individual. Um, some people are thinking about maybe this is a time that I'm going to actually start my own company. Um, this is a time that I'm going to put that idea out there. What would you say to someone that is looking to do that right now? Um, the unknown is happening. Um, and because the unknown is happening, people are really thinking about, I need to start thinking about my family and number one, which is not a bad thing to think about your, your number one of how you're going to survive. What's that advice that you'd give to someone that's considering uh, starting a brand new business on their own? So I think this is definitely the best time to do it, especially for people that have just been laid off. I mean, there's hiring freezes everywhere. So, you know, use this time to be innovative and find a, a new alternative solution to you know, something that you've been thinking about for the past couple of years. And um, I think the risk of, you know, not taking that chance is, is less now because you don't have anything to lose. And um, there's just more potential to, I mean, the upside is so much bigger right now, just because you have the time, you have, you know, the resources, meaning just kind of using your, the time that you have provided where you don't have to worry about an employer 
conflict of interest or any of that, which makes it easier to start a company. Um, and I think no matter when, you know, at which point you start a startup company, there's no, um, there's no good time to do it because there's always you know, the ups and downs and there's, it's a constant struggle where you have to figure out again, that why becomes so much more important because that's kind of what keeps you motivated and keeps you going. But you're talking about all the goods and all the bells and whistles and you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to start a company right now. Talk about the bad things about starting a company by yourself. So you're definitely not going to be able to fundraise in this economy. Um, that's one of the biggest challenges. And I think the, the other drawback is you know, we can't, we can't hire people right now. We can't, um, we don't have the funding ourselves to do it. We don't have, you know, we, we can apply for loans, but generally um, a lot of those loans are being given to bigger corporations that already have RVC backed mm -hmm. and, you know, smaller companies like myself lose out where we, you know, to keep the runway going, um, I didn't pay myself a salary. And so now I'm no longer eligible for some of the grants and the programs that are available by the government today. So now I'm, I was excited and now I'm like scared. So how are you finding ways to pivot? Because one of the greatest things about small businesses and small companies and startups, they can pivot very quickly in any situation, good or bad, high or low. So what are the things that you are doing to make sure that you see, that you see the light at the end of the tunnel? So one of the main differences is that we're now focusing on getting those publications out because we need the publicity and we need people to know that a technology like this exists. Um, eventually our goal is partnerships with pharma companies, but I think, you know, right now we kind of need to lay the foundation of these are all the trials that we've done. These are the results that we have. This is why it shows that it's a tangible product. It's not just a theory or something that's in our mind that we hope will work. It actually, we have results that have shown um, that it's promising for future use and really you know, using this time to strategize, but also making connections and reaching out to potential investors or reaching out to people that can make those introductions. And um, this is the time to do it because once, you know, every, you kind of get in their, their queue of, especially with investors, there's, there's a long waiting list. And, um, you know, if you show that you're still working hard and you're still making progress and you're still working to reach those goals, ultimately you're going to show the progress that you've made post, you know, like the lockdown. And the, the biggest thing we can do right now is showing the traction of you have, um, whether it's on the funding side or whether it's on just the trials, but you have to keep showing that you're making progress. How has it been working from home and doing and running a company as well? You are a woman running in life sciences, which is not a very, it's very, very difficult when you're like in the startup world and, and you're dealing with life sciences um, and you're bouncing a company and working from home with your family. How is that working out for you? So I was actually in North Carolina for the past month, just got back to Boston over the weekend and um at least in North Carolina, we had more space. So we had a designated office space right now in Cambridge. We're in a one bedroom apartment. So my husband and I kind of take turns using the dining table as our conference room. <laughs> but um, I mean, in general, being a, you know, a female or minority in the life science industry, where you know, even before when we were attending conferences, typical profile of all the attendees were you know, the usual white, older white American males. 
and out of a room full of 500, there may be one or two females that you can actually count. And you know, I have a, a picture on the stage at, at a conference here in Boston. I am the only female standing there, and every single one of them are older white males in suits, and I'm just wearing a normal blazer with black pants. But it's just like, you know, it kind of, and that ended up being their, their picture that they use for all their marketing, because they're like, oh, look, we got diversity. But that's, uh, that's kind of just the reality of, you know, this industry. But in general, not just life sciences, I think being a female um, in the startup field, but also in the life sciences kind of puts you at an advantage, because you do stand out when you walk into a room, and you are, you are different, so people remember you, um, and that's, you know, use it to your advantage. I have to say that's one of the things that um, I enjoy, not only throughout my entire career, but also working with small businesses and startups. Um, they stand out. Um, you guys as a community, you stand out, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it is in your industry, you stand out leaps and bounds because you're coming up with the most innovative things out there. So I think that's like really commendable that you're sticking through knowing how hard it is, but yet the passion is very clear. It's like, it's definitely understood. Um, this pandemic ends tomorrow. It ends tomorrow. What does your tomorrow look like? I think the first thing is we start opening up our animal trials. Um, we get those term sheets sent to, you know, the, the investors that we've started making those connections to, to see if they have interest. If not, if they can connect us to people that would be interested in, you know, the main thing is we can't give up right now because we put so much hard work into building this company and getting it to this point where we just got to keep going and no matter what, we're going to figure out a way to do it. Beautiful. Fantastic. So I, I, I will end all of um, interviews with just this um, one question. Um, it could be long, it could be short. It's like whatever the answer you want it to be, but what is your ask? I mean, you, I mean I, I'm trying to get a lot of individuals to, pay attention to how important this community is. So what is the ask that you'd want more people to understand about uh, you and your company? Um, two things that we're looking for specifically are you know, any sort of funding, whether it's smaller grants that are available for minority-owned companies, women-owned businesses, or even things that focus, you know, foundations that focus on neurological diseases. And that's kind of the first ask that we have to, you know, these small grants kind of keep our doors open and we still have to pay taxes and we still have to do, you know, all our bookkeeping. And those are all things that are day-to-day things that we can't really put on hold. So that's kind of what keeps us operational. We have to continue filing our patents and paying for um, our upkeep of those patents and the legal costs are still racking up. But the other ask is you know, focusing on the partnership route. If, you know, if anyone kind of watching this knows of companies, whether it's big pharma, small, other small startups or biotech companies that are looking for a drug delivery tool, um, you know, we're more than willing to try out different applications, whether it's a molecule that we've tested before or not, we can really range from small molecules all the way to large biologics. The scope is there. We just, need to have the funding to kind of branch out into different options. Just out of curiosity, and again, um, this is not my world, this is definitely your world. Um, With the virus so large, I mean, they're talking about, there's a lot of discussions in regards to once the uh, the, um, uh, vaccination is created, Mm -hmm. one or two years out before you get a mass production. Um, Is there any way um, that 
or have you even thought about it where there's a, a synergy between your what you're doing and what the needs are on a very, very large um, masses, mass for uh, what's happening right now? So I think, you know, what with everything um, going on with like the publicity of, you know, needing the vaccine quickly, I think it's put a lot of light uh, or shed, you know, shown a lot of light to life science companies and shown how the FDA approval process is, can take very long and it's helped kind of fast track that. But I, I think, you know, we also have to take the precautions of making sure that we're not putting out drugs that are harmful in the long run to patients. And so we kind of need to develop a, a balance between the two, but not just the timeline, it's also the amount of funding that goes into producing something to get to clinical trials. and that needs to be um, whether it's on like a larger economic scale or even within the pharmas we need to develop a way that can be you know do the a lot of these testing at a cheaper and more economically friendly way where startups aren't burning through cash to get to that end goal because you know we aren't big pharma we don't have you know endless bucket of money that we can continue running our r d operations and continue paying for clinical trials that may or may not give us the, the results that we're looking for. Um, but you know, this is part of research. We have to continue to be innovative and have to come up with new alternatives and come up with new solutions. And, and I think this, you know, it's unfortunate that we didn't have enough testing and we didn't have all of this kind of prepared, but no one could predicted it. And you know, kind of learning from everything that's going on right now and how to implement that for the future is going to be huge and especially for biotech and life sciences because we've seen the urgency and the need for development of new drugs and the innovation part of it kind of never stops. I have to say you, you said that so um, it was uh, well articulated so I thank you very much for that one. Um, I, it was the, the thought was in my mind in regards to like how do I get this out but everyone is talking about the concept of once, I mean, just again, if it's developed tomorrow, it doesn't mean that everyone gets it tomorrow. And so I think it's like one of the, uh, it was great um, and uh, user-friendly explanation in regards to what happens um, and the need, the need of the fact that more and more life sciences need to get um, a little bit more fast-tracked fast mm -hmm. uh, because everyone knows the rule of thumb where a tech company can get it very quickly, uh, whether it's a, a retail product, et cetera, which is like, it's fantastic. The life sciences, it takes a lot longer, which is needed because the testing has to be there. Um, the papers have to be there. Um, the validation of the individual that's actually running the entire program. But knowing that more eyes should start paying attention to life sciences is fantastic. So I thank you very much for the exclamation. Thank you very much for your time. Um, and I look forward to seeing what you guys are developing in the next couple of weeks, couple of years. Um, and anytime that you want to come back here and talk about what's new, uh, you have a home here on. Um, thank, you. <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me. This is a great kind of Q&A and I love to um, kind of answer your questions and hope to do it again soon. Mm -hmm.